Welcome to Splash Play. That's a wrap on week 13. Chris Spaggs and I are here to break it down. If you didn't have Darren Waller today, if you didn't have Corey Davis today, well, you didn't win a million bucks like one of our listeners, but that doesn't mean that we can't pick up the pieces and find the good in even a bad week, Chris. I mean, talk about pick up the pieces. I'm going to have to do that. Pete and I were just tilting before the show came on the air. So we have a lot of things to, to really whine about over the next hour, but also a lot of things for you to look forward to. Good our take the L segment, a little stat shaming, the waiver wire snake draft, ever important for these final few weeks here in our season long leagues. And of course, the ride or die picks for two Monday night football games, as well as one Tuesday, a COVID night football game coming up here. So now, Pete, you distract everybody for 30 seconds while I compose myself and hit the intro. You guys want to see a little skin here? Just a little, uh, a little of this. Uh, should I just let this go on for as long as possible? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's like 30 minutes later, and I'm just completely naked. I'm like, are you gonna roll the opening? <laughs> Pete's fully nude now while the intro plays, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Hello, everyone. He's fully clothed, and we are back here for the actual episode of Splash Play, your favorite fantasy football podcast and the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by the man who helps me find my sanity after Sundays break me mentally and leave me in a crying heap, completely in shambles. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? No, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. We did the tilt space earlier, and normally I'm like, all right, it was so bad that it's funny or like things are going good and we can celebrate. Today, I was just so dejected. I didn't even want to do the show. And then I was talking to you before the show, and you're like, I'm feeling the exact same way. So we're going to have to pull each other through it because uh, this seems like a day we just want to shut everything down. You're going to lift each other up by our bootstraps this is the American way here on the Splash Play YouTube channel. But we could use your guys' support to help brighten our mood. So make sure you hit that like button and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. Leave that review telling us about the holy podcast matrimony that Pete and I have subjected ourselves to every week here on the YouTube channel. And it uh, really helps us out a bunch on there. So do that. And also make sure to follow at Splash Play Pod on Twitter and Instagram because we are following back the first thousand people on there. Pete, nice week of followers here. Our boy Sal Vetri, who a uh, little spoiler alert here, trounced us in the ride or die picks, at least for Sunday. And uh, he also gave us a nice little Sal Vetri boost. I feel like that was one of our more engaged with and got some nice followers from old Sal. Thank you, Sal. The Vetri bump is notorious in this industry. We are here to ride your coattails. And uh, in exchange, we allowed you to win the ride or die pick. So just don't think that uh, we rolled over for nothing. We knew what you would do for us in the social media streets, and we wanted to give you the W in return. It's really a show that we, uh, more than any other fantasy football podcast out there, are all about building each other up and building our guests up and you up as well. It's a really a self-improvement show as much as it is a fantasy football show. This will be our transition for the offseason, Pete, as we just do self-help for people who lost thousands of dollars during fantasy football. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pivot. Um, we're going to talk about mindfulness. Um, we're going to start talking about our favorite uh, juice cleanses to do. We're, we're really going to do a full off-season pivot. We're going to be hyping KTOV, the, whatever that stock does. We're going to be doing all sorts of things here when football <laughs> continues to bite us. But speaking of football that is biting us right now, Sunday night football underway, as is often the case when we're doing this show, uh, just shy of halftime in this game with the Chiefs and the Broncos. And of course, we'll talk about all of Week 13, but this game's going on right now. And Pete, I'm going to ask you the question because uh, I admit I had to walk my dogs. I felt good about where my lineups were felt like I had a good handle on the news and it turned out I actually made some mistakes there but we could talk about that in a second but uh Clyde Edward Teller a guy who I thought would be playing and active uh, based on all the news reporters out there Adam Schefter tweeting out he's active even yesterday talking about oh he, he's ill but he's feeling better he's gonna be good to go and Pete he's active but he has not played a single snap and apparently everybody playing the showdown tonight knew that except for me uh, yeah, that would have been good information for us to have uh, ahead of time that anything, maybe just like, oh, he's going to be a little more limited than usual. Just a, a little kernel of truth would have been nice for us fantasy gamers uh, to not be playing Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And it's tough, too, because it's not like one of these backfields where you get really excited about the backup and you're like, oh, all right, we can play Latavius Murray. Where It's like Le'Veon Bell is so dusty and uh, none of us wanted to play him. So when we hear Clyde Edwards is active, 
we're going to jam Clyde Edwards. I actually did play these guys equally, but the issue is that now I liked Melvin Gordon, the Chiefs run defense, one of their weak spots, and Melvin Gordon actually has a much larger share of that crappy Broncos offense than people might realize, including touchdowns, as 33% of their touchdowns on the year. And uh, that was a surprise to me as I was doing my research. So I'm like, cool, I like Melvin Gordon a lot. And you know what Pete, my optimizer, did? Pete knows already, but he's going to pretend and act surprised here. Uh, my optimizer gave me 37% Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 5% Melvin Gordon. So I I am just I'm just digging in deeper holes as the day goes on. Yeah, I uh, I, I did play this showdown slay. I'm kind of superstitious with it, where I don't pull up the uh, the live scoring and all of that until very close to the end. So I'm blissfully unaware of how I'm doing right now. I think I have a lot of Melvin Gordon though, so maybe that'll work out. And one other news item from the Sunday night football game that people, uh, as soon as they turn on this podcast, may be wanting to tilt along with us. Tyreek Hill, a 50-yard bomb, or maybe a little bit shorter than that, but just about a 50-yard bomb, catches it in the end zone, uh, does look like it's an incomplete live. Turns out, Pete, that he caught the ball, bounced off, kind of like your boy LaVisca Chenault, a little bit of a ricochet touchdown, and it turns out Tyreek caught the ball, they got the punt off without realizing that Tyreek caught it, and now that play has gone into the abyss, and that hurts me a lot as somebody who pretty much exclusively plays Tyreek is captain today yeah that was brutal it was such a weird bounce that I think Tyreek Hill just assumed that it hit the ground first but it's like this goes back to the thing you know when you know that's it's close for a first down and they bring out the chains and we're all like come on it's 2020 how don't you have a chip in the ball just we should know this it's the same thing if you're the Chiefs this is like a billion dollar enterprise how do you not have someone reviewing real-time uh replays to let you know if something should be challenged like if you had a hawk on that replay someone would have been like hang on hang on let's maybe not pump the ball real quick just just slow your roll i i just don't know how that slips through the cracks from because i don't blame tyreek like bang bang plays like how's he supposed to know but someone up in the booth needs to yeah, I think that's something, too, where if this weren't the Chiefs, if we didn't feel like the Chiefs were, you know, obviously a very decent chance to repeat as Super Bowl champions and and they hadn't overcome that schneid, like, I feel like this would be a thing where people would just be beating up on Andy Reid. Like, if Adam Gase or Greg <laughs> Williams did this today, uh, which we could talk about that one, too, with Greg Williams calling a blitz on a, a game-winning Hail Mary, like, I think we'd be like, oh, the Chiefs, what idiots, but because it's the Chiefs and we know they're good and they'll, they'll make it back at some point, we're just like, ah, that's, uh, that's crazy Andy Reid. It still pops up from time to time, huh, folks? <laughs> oh yeah i mean if gase would have done it at, there would have been like calls into the league office that they were you know actually trying to lose or so, something <laughs> not counting it uh although letting henry rugg score that touchdown uh in the final seconds today i i need i actually want to watch the all 22 on that and just see if the defensive back was like yeah i'll just let him go we're trying to get trevor lawrence here yeah, I'm sure that Trevor Lawrence will be made the most of. And actually, you know, honestly, given given the Jets' uh, propensity probably to fire everybody, maybe there is hope for Trevor Lawrence if he does have to go there. I actually do want to pull up this one. Uh, it's a tweet from Adam Schefter, which comes uh, courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. If you want to follow them on Twitter, it's at ESPN Stats Info. Uh, but they have, I guess they send out a newser to their staff. Uh, probably goes to guys like Schefter first so we can get the tweet out. But uh, here's the tweet, Pete. I'm, if you didn't see it, I'm, you may have because you see everything well before I do. But Jets' decision unheard of the Jets sent the house seven pass rushers on the Raiders game winning touchdown a Hail Mary type situation where only a touchdown hurts them it's an unheard of play call in our data set since 2006 they're the only team in our data set to send six plus pass rushers that meet all three qualifiers for score lead and distance to go so this is the only time that they've sent that many rushers in the last 15 seconds a game of a game with a four to eight point lead and 40 plus yards to the end zone I mean when it's laid out like that this is like seeing a research paper chronicling how Adam Gase and Greg Williams might be collectively the dumbest coaches who've ever lived no I love that because that was my my theory was oh the defensive back just like let him go but that makes more sense like structurally the whole team just send the house will have no help over the top I mean that's the kind of defensive play call you do to win the first overall pick. I, I love it. <laughs> That's true. That is the kind of next level tanking, the 4D chess of tanking that the Jets are pulling. But it wouldn't be a splash play here if we didn't have, uh, no matter how poorly our weeks go, somehow people continue to take this information, twist it, manipulate it, and find ways to get a bit of an edge. And Pete, that's the case once again this week. JG3, or actually JG2, sorry, JG3 is his son. It's JGII. Uh, but he has the, he or she, I should say, has the millionaire maker win lineup this week and I don't know Pete on a week where I'm so down I'm happy for our listeners and all that but I'm tired of these guys winning millions of dollars while I'm here rubbing nickels together hoping that Clyde Edwards Hilaire gets a single freaking snap 
Yeah, you know what? Maybe this is where we finally turn on our listeners. I'm ready to turn on JGII. Look, what are, what do we do around here? We always preach you have your later guys in the flex. You play Darren Waller in the flex and Robert Tanyan at tight end. You can't do that. I mean, this is a luck box here if I've ever seen it. A Derek Karstak with no bring back. I mean, this is just an absolute disaster. I, I disown this person as a listener. I, I hope this case actually is somebody who is not this one of our actual listeners. <laughs> This is one of the few times it's happened once. It could certainly happen again for real, but obviously this is not a bit. It's dead serious. These people always win because of splash play, but let's talk about JD2's lineup here. Pete hinted at it, but Darren Waller stacked up with Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr, the millionaire maker winning quarterback this week. And Pete, no run back here, which is something I feel like I've heard debated a little bit more recently. A lot of tournament players starting to leave out the run back on the opposing side because I think they find that's a little bit over-owned because people know that now as a trick. And how are you handling that? Because that to me is sort of like, am I now outthinking myself and everything I know of correlation just to get different in tournaments? Or like, I, I worry that that's still not a great practice, even though, again, did win a million dollars this week. Yeah, it's actually interesting because I can say to myself, all right, I'm never going to have a JG kind of team. But if you go down to the third place team, which uh, my I, I feel comfortable calling him my my friend, Brandon Adams here in third place did have the Derek Carr, a more classic stack with Ruggs and Waller. And he brings it back with Perryman 3.2 points. He still finishes in third place, just five points out of the millimaker. That ends up being the difference, the bring back there. But that kind of lineup that has the bring back is always going to intuitively make more sense to me. So I think this kind of proves the point of like the, the nice correlation can get you very close to the top. But to get first place, you need to have some bizarre weirdness like a double tight end and the guy who played later not in the flex. Or just you know, playing Derek Carr and doing that unironically. I think that's it's another way to get hey, different. I had I had a Derek in my spy lineup, I had a Derek Carr to Waller stack. Oh, but right. it didn't you know, fair way. enough that maybe I, I actually did have double the field on Waller, which was the one thing I think that kept me from going completely broke this week. But um anyway, there's more to talk about here. And I think there's two. He could have run it back with Jamison Crowder. That was the the ideal uh Jets run back if you were to go with the traditional stacking approach here. Uh, but the rest of this lineup here at running back, uh JG two got very different. Chris Carson and um, and Robinson, James Robinson at running back. So two guys here that had pretty solid days, nothing spectacular. Pete, they avoided the Dalvin Cook, avoided the uh, Derrick Henry, DeHember dead, dead and buried forever now. And uh, I guess that's one thing. Devontae Booker, another one who killed me. This one argument could be made here is just playing guys who were good and not as highly owned was the move to really seal this million dollars. Yeah, man, James Robinson, I he has been what has... I have not gotten him right this year because I have not given myself a chance to get him right. Like I, I never play him. He's always appropriately priced. His ownership never gets out of hand and he always smashes in week after week. I literally did a fleet on Saturday or the other day. That was like, I never played James Robinson. I'm a fucking idiot. And then I don't play James Robinson again. I mean, that's such a great play at 11% in the milli at 7,300. Yeah, I, I actually like James Robinson. He's been, I've talked about on here, one of the bailouts for my best ball team because you're getting him so cheap. And this guy who's putting up 15 to 30 fantasy points every week, if you get that guy in the 11th, 12th, 13th round, that's going to be a big help. And uh, yeah, for me, still in DFS, every week he looks a little bit higher owned than I feel like he should be. And I just go somewhere else. And for me that week, that this that included guys like Miles Gaskin, who was okay. Devontae Booker, who was got 17 touches. That's great. But that was one of the worst situations I've ever been very heavy on. Um, also, I... I feel like I had enough Austin Eckler to feel that pain too. And a, a 45 zero drubbing. Like it's just, uh, I, I think that this is one week where just taking guys who have the floor was really the right move. And Chris Carson, another one as well, similar approach here at wide receiver, Robert Woods, uh, Justin Jefferson has had the high upside. And then another spot where JG two got weird, but really not that weird. Corey Davis, 10% owned the Millie maker. And of course that was a slate breaker, Pete, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, the Jefferson play uh, makes a ton of sense to me. I was doing lots of Jefferson with DJ Chark, kind of like seeing oh, if that yeah. game would go off. That didn't work out, but I like the Jefferson with James Robinson. Um, and then the Corey Davis one-off. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how you get on it, uh, but man, if you do, you can win a million dollars. 
Yeah, nice price point for Corey Davis at 5100 So uh, not as cheap as a guy like Kiki QT, who did have a monster day, uh, but still, you know, definitely there. And then the big di- difference here as well, the Patriots defense, 5% owned, puts up 31 fantasy points in a game where uh, the rookie, the whole rookie story, or I guess parable about Bill Belichick, where he just makes health for every rookie QB every single time. Happens again this week, Pete, but really, I didn't feel like this one's entirely on Justin Herbert. He certainly didn't look good, but when you're giving up two special teams touchdowns and Gunnar Olszewski looks like a young Dante Hall, I feel like that's not the best sign for your team's prospects. Yeah, uh, I know. There's the narrative floating around this. Like, there's double narratives. Uh, You know, the Patriots always take out your number one weapon, and uh, Belichick historically has been very good against rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I, they were good, but like you said, it was, there's lots of flukiness with defensive touchdowns here. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the Patriots going into, uh, Los Angeles and getting that, that win and Cam Newton looked pretty good getting those rushing touchdowns around the goal line. So yeah, let down spot for the chargers. I think, uh, I think they'll bounce back though. I didn't see anything that was like, oh man, the chargers are in trouble. Yeah, they're still a young team. We've talked about it with Herbert before where, you know, he's got to be able to win like some of the top tier QBs before he really arrives there. And until then, he's just really a fantasy QB, a guy who's had good results there and and today has a downside. And I guess let's segue over to that because this was I was going to go with a different first story for our week 13 big stories. But Justin Herbert, I think getting blanked at home, you know, we know even when uh, there are non COVID times where things are as they are here in L.A., which is uh, we're currently having a little shutdown here in Los Angeles where I also live. But, um, you know, the stadium here really would have probably been more of an advantage for the Patriots in normal times. where We have a ton of Pats fans out in L.A. who I'm sure would have bought out all the tickets. So um, I don't know that this that mattered that much, Pete. But Justin Herbert, I just, you know, I think it sucked for him. I think it wasn't the best showing, but he was still arguably a better QB in this game than Cam Newton, who only threw for 70 yards. Yeah. It, and like we said, it, it was a letdown spot. Things are going to get much, much better. They, they host the Falcons next week. I mean, that's the get right spot of all get right spots. Then they have the Raiders and then the Broncos. So if you are uh, relying on Justin Herbert here for the fantasy playoffs, I think you are going to be you're going to be rewarded for your patience here. I guess this is sort of not a thing that we we talk about too much here, and I guess I'll pull it up while we uh, while we're doing it. But rookie of the year voting, it does feel like this actually could be a thing, and I don't know who really cares about this, like other than the players themselves, or maybe if this is you know your team and you're like, oh, I just want our guy to get it this year. But I really think that Justin Jefferson probably should now be a guy who's heavily in the mix for rookie of the year. It's easier to give it to a QB historically, I would think. But I'm pulling up the the lines here, but. But Pete, how do you feel about that? And, and do you care at all about the concept of rookie of the year? I do not care about it one bit, but I do think it's kind of interesting from like a betting market perspective uh, too. I know we had a uh, Matt Friedman on the other day and he had written up uh, a case for betting Ben Roethlisberger as league MVP at long odds, basically being like, Hey, these guys are 11 and Oh, and you can get this guy at 20 to one odds in the betting market. So if there's interesting spots that you can play, and maybe we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson here, I, that's where it's interesting to me, but just the idea of the award itself and who deserves it, I, I do not care. Yeah, so I guess these odds, the most recent ones I think I can find. I'm sure there's better ones somewhere out there, but Justin Herbert, minus 900. Justin Jefferson, also kind of odd, two Justins up top here. I don't know what that says. Maybe name your child Justin if you want them to have a better shot to be rookie of the year. It's the year. Of the Justin. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would have to know historically, do, does it, does it rookie of the year always go to a quarterback too? I don't know that it, I don't know that it does. I think that's more of an MVP thing, but I'm sure it probably doesn't hurt, but, and especially, you know, this odds differential minus 900 for him compared to plus 900 for Jefferson. And then Tua also much higher than he should be at plus 1000. Uh, he's the number three on the list here. I would think that based on these odds, I would assume it's probably similar for rookie of the years and QBs. Yeah. That would make sense. And I assume too, like some years we have these uh, good QB years and, and some, some years we don't. So I'm sure there's been some running backs and wide receivers who've snuck in there, but yeah, to get back to it, it's, it's tough, right? Because Justin Herbert is no question more valuable to the chargers than Justin Jefferson is to the Vikings. But Jefferson has also uh, looked like one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, right out of the gate. Like, I think he's better at the position than Herbert is at quarterback, but quarterback's just inherently more valuable. So that's always the riddle you're dealing with. 
and more def- uh, difficult to step in as a rookie and be good at it, even though we've seen some more of that. And um, yeah, Justin Jefferson, I feel like, you know, this is sort of a, an, a mea couple that really only matters to me, but um, I really thought that Jerry Judy would be the better one out of these two guys. And granted, you know, Kirk Cousins to Drew Locke right now should be a situation that favors Kirk Cousins, but uh, Jefferson really does seem like the elite guy. And, and it's worth pointing out our pound for pound or possibly one of our pound for back uh, pound running back champions for the year, James Robinson plus 3,800. He's not going to win rookie of the year, but, but damn it, he deserves a better showing that stupid Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever wanted uh, the uh, argument for why running backs don't matter, it's the, uh, the first round pick going to the best offense in football flopping and an undrafted free agent going to one of the worst teams in football and absolutely crushing. And then you can make the argument for why running backs do matter when you see Devontae Booker do absolutely nothing in a situation where you know Josh Jacobs would have gotten me at least 15 fantasy points. See, and- I, I actually disagree. I, I think Josh Jacobs and, and Booker are like, I don't. I think Josh Jacobs is one of the most overrated running backs. I think the Jets' interior rush defense has been like pretty good all year. So I, I don't know if, if Jacobs would have had much better of a day. I I guess we'll never know on, you know, on the year, one thing that let's just talk about the Booker thing. Cause I, I could take the L on this. It definitely is one that I need to take an L on for myself and I've already emotionally taken it uh, and, and financially as well today. But a uh, Devonte Booker coming into this game at 5.5 yards per carry, which is not a perfect stat, but I think still when you grade it relative to Jacobs, who I think is just under four yards per carry Booker also had better yards after contact numbers than Jacobs. I really thought Pete, this was a smash spot for Devonte Booker and it crushed me. Like it certainly crushed me. Like I played more of this guy than I normally, would because I felt like people weren't on him enough and this happens it happens in DFS and I, I just don't I, I don't know if you took this bait Pete but I took the bait big after we didn't know this on Thursday when we did our show so maybe you would have talked me out of it but how did you handle Devontae Booker and did he hurt you as much as he hurt me yeah I ended up like even with the field on him I ended up I was on him way more earlier in the week and then when Gaskin opened up I preferred Gaskin but I was kind of splitting I, I ended up fading Montgomery and then had about equal amounts uh, Gaskin and Booker in that range. And yeah, I, I thought it was like, I thought it was a legitimately even better play than Josh Jacobs in that I thought he would catch a few more balls than Josh Jacobs would too. And you were just getting that at 5,500 against the Jets. So yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was a good play. And the other thing about it, the reason I didn't mind it is earlier in the week, he was going to be like 40, 45% owned, which then it's like, all right, this is getting dicey. But then when Gaskin opened up, it pushed him down to like 20% or so in some contests. So to me, that was way more palatable and justifiable. So I, I don't think this is something we have to beat ourselves up over. I think it just uh, it just happened. All right, here's one maybe you could beat ourselves up over a little bit more. Derrick Henry and and Pete, you've been beating that drum of Dehember and it being the month. Of, and it's not just Pete either. To be clear, I'm not throwing this at, at our, our loved, our beloved Peter Oversett's feet here. But Derrick Henry, just bad game script, the worst possible game script where he was down. Uh, the Titans were down, I think, three touchdowns by halftime. And that's not Derrick Henry ball. It's not where you want him to be. He still, you know, got some touches in that second half, but it wasn't good, Pete. And and I feel like, you know, the meme here, maybe this is a point to, to refer to where we, we always talk about the difference between the casual players and the guys out there making a lot of money in DFS. And we try to bridge the gap between the two. But I think, you know, a lot of those people who have been like never Derrick Henry, I feel like must be victory lapping today because everybody who buys into this whole Dehember, him being a monster as everybody gets tired down the stretch. Uh, that was not the case for a Cleveland defense that got absolutely killed pretty much by every running back they've played the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing with Derrick Henry that we always say, like when he gets in bad game scripts, he is in trouble. And it's, it's similar to Josh Jacobs, like these guys that don't catch passes. And that's why it's just such an easy decision with them of, are they going to be super high owned? Well, then that's not baking in the game script risks, or if they're low owned, well, then all the upsides there and uh, it's priced into the ownership. So this was a little more on the fringe because his ownership was getting split kind of evenly with Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams up there at the high end. Uh, but yeah, I ended up not having any uh, Derrick Henry this week just because I prefer to get him more in that sub 10% range. And sure, could he have gone off? Absolutely. But this shows, though, the kind of range of outcomes for a type of player he is. 
Yeah, I think for me, the issue is that there was so much value that I thought was there on the slate that I actually thought it was viable to get to Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry or and uh, Devontae Adams, like basically two out of those three guys. Um, and I ended up there more than not. And that was not great with the Derrick Henry portion of things. And uh, speaking of not great for Philadelphia, maybe this actually is great. Uh, Carson Wentz seemingly finally benched after uh, Pete. I'm sure you saw the story throughout the week, but uh, Carson Wentz apologized to his teammates and admitted that he was bad and had sucked. And then like they were like, oh, it's OK, like. Brandon Graham actually was quoted on the record about saying like, oh, it takes a big man to admit like whatever. And, like it was a really weird uh, PR piece. That I think came out around Thursday of, of Carson taking his Mia culpa. He takes that Mia culpa plays today and does not get anything going at all versus green Bay. And Jalen hurts comes in and, and he kind of fits the criteria Pete, of what we like in a, a fantasy quarterback. He runs the arm is certainly a little bit questionable uh, to say the least, but has to be an improvement over Carson. One would think. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't see that quote, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it's time for the Eagles to try something out. Uh, even if it means taking their, their lumps with Jalen hurts, but it's like you draft this guy for these situations. Like they're saying, what if Carson Wentz isn't, you know, the future of this franchise and, you know, he's strung together enough poor performances that it makes you wonder, I will like argue against myself though, and say, the Philadelphia play calling has been so bad. They're forcing it, you know, to Alshon Jeffrey and Greg Ward when they have Jalen Rager and Fulgham, who was awesome earlier this year. Um, they're working in Jordan Howard and Boston Scott at the expense of Miles Sanders, who's arguably their most talented offensive weapon. So I, I don't think the coaching staff is doing him any favors either. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. And I just know to me, you know, and people will always tweet you because like the Philly fans, I think, and also really just fans in general, I think remember the good times with Carson before he messed up his knee and things took a turn downwards. But, you know, like he's bad in a clean pocket. And to me, that's sort of the most damning thing is that I'll pull the numbers up real fast. But we've talked about him on the show before, where if you're a guy who's getting protection and we talk about, you know, Philadelphia's offensive line has been pretty weak this year. That's uh, really an inarguable point. Like he should be doing better than completing 75 percent or being accurate on 75% of his passes in a clean pocket. The QB rating is one of the worst marks in the league, 84 QB rating when he's clean. Like, yeah, he's also much worse when he's getting pressured, but if, if they're actually protecting you and you don't do your job either, like, I think it's hard to scapegoat this Eagles team for what Carson has wrong with him. And and also, Pete, they extended him in 2019, I think, for $125 million. Yeah, yeah, I guess that goes against the whole thing. If you didn't think he was the franchise quarterback, then uh, you probably shouldn't have given him all of that money. But, uh you know, I, I do think maybe maybe they just need a little bit of a shakeup here. Let them uh, ride the pine. They're clearly not going to be a team that's going to make a run this year. So maybe let him clear his head. He's got the yips. He's he's not all there. Let, let Jalen Hurts uh, take a crack at it. And I guess one more big story, which uh, I think Pete, you might have made an assumption here that the East is still is somehow not winnable for them. It isn't still, in fact, very winnable because the Giants are the leader there after their win against Seattle. I think there's only two games up still, so they could technically give this one away. And uh, this wasn't on our, our segment sheet, Pete, but I feel like it probably should have been because the Giants picking up this win on the road at Seattle and uh, Seattle after a hot start where this offense is clicking on all cylinders with, granted, some favorable matchups, uh, really hitting the skids and I, I kind of think it's the Giants defense maybe not being as bad as people think. People still look uh, looking back, thinking about last year where that team got shredded over and over again. For whatever you want to say about Joe Judge, I think he's kind of crippled this offense, but the defense looks pretty good. So I really don't think I'm going to hold this against the Seahawks as much as a, a lot of people out there probably will. Yeah, I didn't get to watch this game super close. It does feel like Seattle just always plays down to its opponents. I mean, what was so exciting about them earlier this year, the whole let Russ cook movement is it was just like, we're just going to come out. We're going to let our best player control the game. We're, we have two of the better wide receivers in the league. And now they're just kind of in their head. We had the quote from Pete Carroll last week where he's like, I want to get to 50 combined pass completions and rush attempts. That's the magic number that Vince Lombardi said helps you win games. And it's like, no, you have Russell Wilson. Just go out there and let him make plays and everything else will fall into place. And it really does seem like kind of their backwards approach to this offense or whatever ideal Carroll has for it is just not working right now. And I feel like the past few weeks where he hasn't been cooking, it's like now we're back to the same bullshit as last year. 
I do think it's something really where now if you're shutting down DK Metcalf outside uh, with James Bradbury, you know, coming into this week and uh, had one of the best cover corner ratings in the league, giving up only 0.8 yards per route covered on the year and has been shadowing a lot of guys who've been tough matchups. And, you know, people don't associate him as being one of those guys, but I think can inhibit DK Metcalf enough. And then when he gets inhibited, it seems like everything kind of trickles down uh, for in a bad way. But I think it's also worth pointing out, Pete, because people don't really get the concept of, of what you mentioned with Pete Carroll and even coaches don't really get that. But um, I think it's just worth mentioning for people out there who don't maybe don't know the data stuff that well, don't follow the I would say the Josh Hermsmeyers of the world, those guys really digging deep into the NFL stats. But the reason those numbers are so high is because uh, that for completions like the Lombardi number, the 50 completions of rushing attempts, it's because you're getting there because your team is winning. Like that's how it happens. Like it's a it's a cause and effect thing that everybody gets backwards. And I think that's one thing that I don't know. I just I, I find it interesting, but it's also like this should be something that everybody knows, especially Pete Carroll, who's I think by all marks. Mark's a genius coach. Yeah, no, those are always the funniest. When this team rushes the ball 30 times, they are undefeated. It's it's literally the same thing as saying when teams nail down at the end of games, they're undefeated. It's like, yeah, this isn't actually uh, showing us anything relevant. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's actually one of those things where I, I'm not part of Seahawks Twitter. I know those guys, they, they, uh, they are very passionate about stuff. Pete Carroll seems like a great, like raw, raw coach, like players like playing for him, but man, I feel like he is completely out of his depths with the play calling right now. As a USC alum, I will always hold Pete Carroll in some degree of esteem. I still have the the blanket here behind me and like, I, I enjoy the man, but yeah, at a certain point, I feel like it's, it's in football in particular, I feel like they're afraid to ask questions or, or just don't want to. And like ask your analytics guy, like, Hey, why, why does this happen? And then he would go like, well, because the team is winning and people be like, ah, okay. Instead, he's just a 70 year old man. He's like Vince McMahon out there just making bad decisions and still uh, continuing to fail upwards sometimes, but uh, still more good than not. And uh, Pete, let's speak of more good than not, or more bad than not. Let's take some L's here and talk about the things we want to take some L's for. And I've already taken my L's for Devon. Dante Booker and Derrick Henry, who was awful at a, a lineup killing salary, but one more that I guess I'm going to take the L for. And we also need to talk about with our ride or die picks, uh, Brandon cooks, uh, not a great week for him as chalk looked concussed at one point, but I think came back in. Cause I'm pretty sure I saw him accrue a couple more fantasy points. Uh, Kiki QT went off. Will Fuller suspended and, uh, Isaiah Coulter was inactive Pete. So I had Isaiah Coulter in my, uh, ride or die picks. I switched him over to Kiki QT before the slate locked because I saw that news and that's normally a current to see we give each other Pete but Willis then corrected it afterwards and took it back out and put Coulter back in so Pete you're the judge here am I right for picking Kiki QT so I could save something out of this L I, I it's a one-pointer I mean QT over 10 points he was projected for over it's a three-pointer points. right and I'm saying it's it's a one oh, okay okay I'll take one for it I'll take one. Coulter was the three-pointer but if you had done it with Kiki it would have just been a one Okay, I will take that seems like a reasonable one. So I'll take the one. And that, that puts me up one point on you on the week where uh, Pete, you want to guess how many more points Sal got than us in our, our, our own game here on Splash Play? I mean, I'm scanning over his picks. and I'm going to guess he has like uh, 15 more points than us, 25. He, he got to 21 points and uh, with a six and five record overall with his picks, but uh, nailed a bunch of the over 20s and over 15s. And yeah, he got 21 points to your three and my four disgusting uh sal we're we're so happy for you and um yeah it won't be this easy if you ever come back on the show but we wanted you'd have a great time we wanted to roll out the carpet and uh really make you feel welcome uh, so how do you feel about the Texans offense now with no Will Fuller? Because uh, the one thing, once Coulter was out, I actually did load up on Kiki QT because uh, he's going to run outside. They really didn't have anybody else out there. They have Steven Mitchell, who's a guy who's been in their organization for a while. I think Chad Hansen got a couple of catches today, a guy who uh, neither of those two guys were available on the slate. So for me, it was like, if I think anything's going to go production-wise for the Texans, I went to QT. But Cooks here just kind of curses a wide receiver one. And and really, I don't know if this means that Houston's going to be playable down the stretch, Pete, where if Cooks does end up hurt or does miss some time here. Like, would you trust Watson with really just the also rands of all also rands at receiver? Yeah, it's tough because if I do think they're at some point, like you just lose too much talent for them to really continue to produce that said, like before the cooks injury, I was actually impressed with what they were able to do. And I think that, you know, mainly speaks to Deshaun Watson's talent because the Colts have been one of the better teams in the league. Like when you look at the, the betting markets, uh, the Sharps are always betting the Colts. Um, they, they really keep things underneath. They normally play in these lower scoring games sometimes where uh, they drop 
all the safeties back. They make teams dink and dunk underneath them. So the fact that the uh, Texans were able to have some success against them and Deshaun Watson was able to have a good fantasy team impressed me. But yeah, like once you lose your top two wide receivers, uh, you're going to be, you're going to be hurting. So uh, hopefully Brandon cooks is okay, but man, he has had such an unfortunate career with the head injuries. Yeah. And I would think too, you know, if we do see Watson take a bit of a downturn down the stretch here as next couple weeks, he's got the bears next week, the Texans, you know, obviously the whole team does not just the Sean. Uh, then they have the Colts, then they have the Bengals, like, and then they close out with the Titans. So I think you could see some up and down performance here from Watson. If he's your season long quarterback, or if you're thinking about playing him in DFS and uh, you know, I wouldn't put that on him. Cause I agree. Like he was a fighter out there, but you could see like once cooks got hurt, I think that was when he got the safety or when he took that safety and like, it, you're right. Like it's just at a certain point you lose guys like fuller guys like cooks and also Cobb, like, what does he really have in there to keep him safe? Yeah, I know. Who was the guy? It was at Mendelssohn or something. There was some other random wide receiver who was getting... Was it, are you talking about Hanson, the white guy? Hanson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah like kind of jacked white guy. Yeah, like big big week for jacked white guys with him and Gunner having <laughs> having big showings or relatively as, big. As someone who had uh, um, Aikens in a couple of lineups, it was, it was super fun to uh, see some random other dude named Chad Hanson uh, eclipsing 100 yards. That was fun. So, all right, Pete. Well, I took enough L's. So any L's you want to take here? The Jordan Akins one was one a lot of people took. So no shame in that game. Uh, he's had some big days with Cobb out before. It makes sense. So I, I don't feel too bad about that one for you. I think the process still sound. But anything else that really strikes a chord for you as an L you want to take? Yeah, looking at my ride or die picks, I can I can take a thematic L, uh, a rookie wide receiver L. I was bullish on Pittman, on Mims, on uh, Rager. And who else? Uh, There was one more in there too, I think. Oh, T Higgins. So yeah, four rookies that uh, all disappointed today to varying degrees. I mean, Mims had a two-point conversion. Uh, Tyler Boyd was the one who got the long touchdown for the Bengals and then got ejected. And I was like, oh, maybe T Higgins will get a million targets in the second half. That didn't happen. So yes, my, um, my, uh, me trying to build a dynasty team in a weekly contest, uh, it backfired on me. And speaking of that, Pete, here's an L I'll offer up for you to take. And I, this is more oh, just, you, a, <laughs> I just took four sweeping L's and you want to offer up an L for it, me. It was really take. more of a transition to talk about this because you mentioned it. You love the young guys. You like them young. You like when you get older, they stay the same age. I know we, we've done this one before, not to steal your joke, but uh, T.Y. Hilton, the ageless T.Y. Hilton, two straight weeks now, viable fantasy days that include one touchdown this week. It's eight catches, 110 yards. And and Pete, I will tell you, I had a little bit of T.Y. Hilton that made me feel it was just what made me feel good to pop up at five percent ownership. And uh, but now I feel like is when the trap part comes in where I don't want to be there heavy anymore, Pete. But uh, are you do you want to take any L's on T.Y. having this resurgence or is it just a little no. bit of a, a dead cat bounce, shall we say? No, I refuse. I wish there was a market where I could short T.Y. Hilton and I would do it. I'm not, you know, I, no, I refuse. I won't okay. take an L on T.Y. Hilton. I think there's a, I feel like there's a site that I've seen advertised. Actually, I think our, our pal Sal, not to keep talking about Sal, but I think he actually has them as a sponsor. The the jock market one, I think, does something like that where you can like either buy in on guys before their big days or short them. And I think you're, it's like supposed to be like stockish. All right. Well, I'll check it out and I will put my entire and, net worth. I mean, no free ads Hilton. to be clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> give an no honest review. Ad. Give it give a real brutally honest review. And maybe that's how we get them to pay us now that we have a little bit of a inventory vacancy. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. If you want to, your ad could go here. That's actually, I should put that on the overlay. Just put your ad here whenever we don't have yeah. a spot. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, and now here's the time, Pete, where we could take some victory laps because at the end of the day, we can talk honestly about our losses, but it's DFS. People remember the victories more than anything. And and for me this week, I will say, um, I, we did a live before lock show where uh, funnily enough during this part of the show, and this isn't me doing a bit, it actually, uh, our one of my co-hosts, Josh, uh, his headphones died. The audio went silent. During this point, I was extolling the virtues of Darren Waller and why people should play him. And then we redid it, and obviously it wasn't with the same conviction. I wasn't going full to kill a mockingbird defending Darren Waller and his right to live. And uh, it just really was a thing that felt good at the time, Pete. So I'm going to take this in a week with so few victories. This is my victory. It was a muted stance for Darren Waller. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, my my two main lineups that I play in the spy, I, I was like, I was dialed in, like Taysom Hill to Michael Thomas. Uh, was one of my favorite plays of the week. I was really surprised when I saw the ownership this morning. And uh, and then I had a Waller, uh, a Derek Carr 
uh, little game stack there were my two teams. So like, I thought things were going well, but I just didn't have the combinations right. Like in the Taysom Hill one, I had Patriots defense, like just an absolute smash, but I didn't have Waller in that one. And then in the other one, I had um, Devonta Adams, who I ended up having to pivot off of because I was so behind needing to catch up. So it was just one of those things where I was like on the right thing. So I will victory lap uh, being on the right quarterbacks uh, despite not having the perfect combinations around them. You know, I think week week 14 is really going to be our turnaround. That's when all the victory laps will truly come. But yeah, Darren Waller, I think I just talking about tight end really quickly because I think it's interesting. Like every week, Darren Waller has popped up as being like, this guy is going to be the top tight end play this amount of the time. I should be playing him every week. I'm following that this week. He pops up where it's like, oh, he's going to be the top tight end. I think 35 percent of the time, according to my Monte Carlo Sims that we've talked about on here. And you know what, Pete? I was just like, I fall for this trap every week. <laughs> I'm only taking 20% and you're, and you're not getting a single cent more out of me. And uh, yeah, that was that was a stupid move. But still, you know, nice to have double the field, I think. But it just could have been nicer. Could have been nicer. That's uh, that's how DFS is, man. It's like you can never you can never be fully satisfied. Even if like Brandon Adams is sitting here looking at his third place Millie Maker finish and being like, man, if I didn't bring it back with Mims, I'd be a millionaire. He already is a millionaire, but he'd be more of a millionaire. Uh, which I'm sure that would have been nice. a multimillionaire is what yes, you that's, that, that's the term I'm working for. I think he's already <laughs> yeah. that too. So <laughs> you got to get the multi in there. Once you get the multi in there, when you get regular million, then you're just uh, a couple dollars away from going back underneath that millionaire <laughs> mark pretty fast. Uh, you're only one Derrick Henry away from that, but let's uh, speak it up. Let's get into stat shaming here. And uh, Derrick Henry, not making stat shaming. He was a consideration, but I feel like we covered him well enough, but we asked these questions for stat shaming. Do these plays get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful? a healthy weight of touches and the first guy up is a guy we just talked about Darren Waller PD had 13 catches 200 yards and two touchdowns on 17 targets and I won't fully shame him here I feel like this has been sort of where we fall with this a lot with the higher quality players like I like Darren Waller I think he looks great I think he looks great how he is when he gets out of bed the thing with him is like is Derek Carr going to make him look beautiful is he going to paint him like one of his French girls or is he going to do like a little stick figure with boobies on it I feel like that's the question we have for Darren Waller each week and I think this week we got the full the the beauty on display of him, the full Mona Lisa, Darren Waller, but next week could easily just be a sticker of, of a gal from a truck stop as what Darren Waller look like. So uh, that's me is how I feel about it. Half a shame for me, Pete, but how about you? You know what? It's uh, I feel like I'm running out of these stat shaming analogies, you know, now <laughs> through like 14 weeks, I was about to go to one that I had already used. I think I was going to do something along the lines of like, the person who doesn't try, see how I'm making these like a uh, non-gender specific, mm -hmm. a person who uh, doesn't try ever, uh, they're wearing sweatpants or whatever. A lot of times, you know, they're playing the Broncos, whatever. I'll just throw on sweatpants, sit on the couch. But then it's like, oh, we're playing the Jets. I'm pulling out my sexy ass dress. I'm putting on all my jewelry. We're going out on the town. We're making a night of it. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to get sloppy. I'm going to eat pizza after, take a cab home, hook up with someone. Uh, and that's what Darren Waller did today. So he has it in him, but uh, we're going to get a lot of nights on the couch too. Yeah, or, you know, if we were to use any other version, Pete, you said dress could be a, a fine suit with a pocket square if he were if we're doing the fellas version, just for the gals out there. We should do a one next week. We should just do a, an all male stat shaming version of this so we don't, we don't get any in, inadvertent misogyny here for our segments. But another guy here, Pete, we could stat shame maybe and, and come up with another analogy. Corey Davis, 11 catches, 182 yards and one TD on 12 targets. And, and this is one I will stat shame a little like Corey Davis is capable of this. And I think there's really one analogy where you're, you're a person male or female coming off of a breakup and then you finally you know maybe lose a, a few pounds of that depression weight that people get and you go back out there and you're trying to get that next person on the hook to maybe fill the hole in your heart I'm not speaking out of my own choices obviously I'm speaking out of totally theoretical things but Corey Davis a free agent this year, Pete, and it just so happens he's showing this upside once again every week, strutting that thing around town, looking better than A.J. Brown, and I just don't think he's got it in him until he, especially when he gets paid by, like, the Browns next year, then it's going to be not a great situation for Corey Davis, so I'm shaming him. Yeah, you know how there's the, there's kind of a theory, I, I always, like, whatever I do, I'm just so worried, I'm just, like, going to say something that I shouldn't say. Uh, but you know how there's this theory that, like, in a group of individuals that there's, uh, like maybe the uh, the hot one will surround themselves oh, yeah. with to look a little better, yeah. attractive. Yeah, it's you know, is there a name for it? Did you say? No, I think it's just. Uh, I'm sure there is one, but I mean, yeah. yeah. So this is the thing, you know. Corey Davis normally is hanging out with AJ Brown, 
Johnu Smith, they're sitting around with their shirt and he is just embarrassed. He's around all these grown men. Well, Johnu Smith is out. AJ Brown got banged up early, left. He eventually came back. But Corey Davis just seized the day. He surrounded himself by Adam Humphreys and all these other threes and fours. And he looked great for one day. But let me tell you, Johnu and D. Hember and AJ Brown are coming back. And you're not going to look as good in those photos next to them. Corey Davis posing next to Cameron Batson over and over again, <laughs> just stunting on him. I think this actually the phrase that I think you were thinking of is the duff, the designated ugly fat friend, which is which was made by a woman. I think a woman made a movie about that. So that's <laughs> yeah. so we're okay. <laughs> The Duff. Okay. All right. There we go. He's got a bunch of Duffs around him. I am so <laughs> delicately like I, I keep, I'm actually impressed a little, like if I pat myself on the back, I found a new analogy and I was like, but I just, I'm just worried Spags. I'm just worried. I'm going to say, so. I, I don't, I'm not like you. I, don't, I can't just say whatever sick joke comes off the top of my head and just live with the consequences. I I'm live stream like 40 hours a week and I'm consciously trying not to get canceled. The sad thing for me is like you're you still see like me cutting seventy five percent off, <laughs> like even though <laughs> even though we had the Tyreek Hill parenting TikToks and all that on Thursday, the cuckolding, I I am still like, all right, well this this one's a little too far. This one's uh, in the safe zone, I would hope. <laughs> next one up final stat shaming here in this one uh we could maybe dig in a little more baker mayfield 25 for 33 334 passing yards four touchdowns no interceptions did have a fumble loss because it's baker mayfield he could only expect so much and um i will stat shame baker a little here i but here's the thing i'm stat shaming baker mayfield because i don't know what i'm seeing here i don't know if i'm seeing the hottest human being who's ever lived i don't know if i'm seeing somebody who comes in with all the hype and and in my head i'm like oh you're you're perfect as you are. You're a number one pick. You're this person who uh, we anointed as a savior far before you should. But I think really Baker Mayfield is more than anything. If we're going to just shift off of the uh, all the potentially problematic things here, he's just the personification of, of NFL DFS where there's going to be weeks where this is absolute death. There's going to be weeks where it's absolute glory. And that's what Baker Mayfield is to me. He, he sums up my week where I did not think, oh man, I need to get some Baker in my life. And then he just throws the ball over the field and it looks like an absolute monster for a Cleveland City that that really needs it, Pete. He kind of reminds me of like our generation's Mitch Trubisky. And obviously Mitch Trubisky played today, but I mean like the old Mitch Trubisky who would just be awful for like five weeks in a row and then have 50 DraftKings points and be the Millie maker winning lineup because he has the tools, right? Like Baker Mayfield, former first overall pick, like a very highly touted quarterback prospect. Like people expect this from him but he's just been so consistently bad that you're like oh yeah you can do that when like you get dialed in and everything comes together so um similar to the Darren Waller thing uh Baker Mayfield finally got dressed to the nines and uh and had a nice night yeah I mean I hope that this all ends with people treating him like he's one of the top QBs in the league again next year because I'll tell you I will not be back on that pathway Uh, I think he's just more of a beneficiary of a very good offense to talk about it in actual football terms rather than our fun metaphorical ways. So that's our little stat shaming for the week. And uh, if you're skipping around on YouTube, now you know is the time that we're doing our waiver wire snake drafts. And make sure you hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, five stars and a review, help us out a bunch on there. And uh, Pete, uh, the waivers this week, I honestly don't even know. Like, I don't even know. feel about it it's the dumpster dive of all dumpster dives right now i'm pulling it up right now but i can only imagine what i'm in for it's just it just seems like a lot of crap here all the guys who i'm I'm now going to do the thing that pete and i do every week where we sort by score to get a better read on on who really did something good here and um Oh, man, I actually you know what? I'll take the first pick here, Pete. I think this one's a slam dunk. Kiki Cutesy, only 12% rostered on ESPN leagues. How could you not go there? He's running outside. He's going to get some slot routes, too. If Randall Cobb comes back at some point, you'll see Cutesy probably moved exclusively outside because they don't seem to trust the other guys on their roster, I guess, besides Chad Hansen. Uh, so I think it's a nice spot for Cutesy. I like what he's doing here, and I'll take him at 12% rostered on ESPN. All right. Yeah. Uh, he definitely needs to be rostered in all leagues. I will take uh, Ty Johnson. Um, Frank Ooh. Gore left the game early and uh, this could, could this potentially be the end of the road for Frank Gore? And the thing about Ty Johnson is he looked really good. 22 mm-hmm. carries had a touchdown, caught a couple balls. He even like looked explosive the times I caught him on the screen. So running back is really, really dry out there on the waiver wire. So I think Ty Johnson on this gross landscape is probably going to be 
one of the top ads of the week. And uh, he's worth adding just uh, in case Frank Gore can't go this upcoming week. Yeah, that's a good one. He's only 1% rostered, so he'll pretty much be available in every league out there. And let's just look at the Jets' schedule real fast. Pete, you got another pick on the turn, but yeah, coming up next week, the Jets get the Seahawks, then they get the Rams, so that's not great. You're probably not going to get much usage of Ty Johnson that week, but then they play the Browns, and then the Patriots is their, their closing game. So if you have, for some reason, have a league that goes to Week 17, but Week 14 and 16, Seahawks and Browns, not too bad matchups for for Ty Johnson, potentially. Yeah, I uh, I think it could work out. I mean, it's uh, the Jets have been so stubborn uh, with Frank Gore's usage that we've kind of been wondering what's behind here. We had, you know, earlier in the season it was LaMichael Pirine. We never got to see what he could do with 20 touches. Uh, he's now out. So, yeah, I, I think Ty Johnson's intriguing. All right. So you got one more pick here, Pete. So go ahead and take a, another crack here in our waiver wire snake draft. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Quintus Cephas and. <laughs> Chad Hansen. I mean, this is Cephas is going to run routes, man. Marvin Hall. They just released like like he was trash. It was really mean. <laughs> you know what? I will do. Um, I'll do Rashard Higgins. Um, he's a guy that I'm sure at some point, either in the Fantasy Life newsletter or on this show, that we have talked about. He's only rostered in 3.5 percent of ESPN leagues, but he's had uh, a couple uh, decent games already this season. It was back in Week Seven where he had six for 110. I think that was right after the game that Jarvis Landry got hurt and then he stepped in. Uh, but he had nine targets today. Obviously all the pass volume was inflated for this offense today, but six for 95 and one, I think he is still kind of the clear number two behind Landry and the weeks where Hooper really doesn't get going. I think he'll be pretty relevant in the offense. Uh, they do get Baltimore next week, which will be tough, but then they get the giants and then the jets week 16. And as we've learned, we love attacking the jets passing game. So I could see Higgins, being valuable down the stretch. No, I think that makes some sense. And I, people may uh, go to Donovan Peoples-Jones a little more than they probably should. But I think if we're going to stat shame either of these two guys a little bit more, I think that Higgins is probably the safer guy, whereas Peoples-Jones, I don't see him having that that big play upside every week. Higgins, we know, is out there a lot more snaps. Um, for me, I guess I, I got two picks here for the snake draft. And uh, man, this is a tough one because I actually, you know, what? I'm going to take two guys here. One is going to stick it to you a little bit, uh, just in the hopes that there's a rookie connection. Jalen Rager, if, if he's going to be starting with maybe a, a double Jalen, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, maybe they both are like, ah, oh, Jalen, Jalen. It's like a, a Justin thing that we just don't know about yet. Uh, like our, our boy, Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson. But I do think that Rager can have some upside. We know he's a deep ball guy. He's getting those targets. Travis Fulgham is just lost. I think Carson Wentz has kind of killed his, his little surging run that he had there. Alshon Jeffries return also not helping. Rager's still running the most snaps, Pete, and I know he's your guy, so uh, I hope this hurt a little bit. <laughs> it does. It does hurt. I really try to corner the market on the rookies, whether those are W's or losses. Um, so yeah, it, it hurts, but uh, lucky for you, this is, uh, or lucky for me, this is one of the most voluminous rookie wide receiver classes of all time, so I'm sure I'll find somebody. <laughs> that's that's true. You you will find another rookie to love. And actually, I guess this guy might technically be a rookie and I'm going to take him even though I find this all really specious, but just in the chance that he's running outside and, and QT gets bumped back in the okay. slot a little bit more. I thought you were going to take my pick, but you, the way you set that up, I was really worried. Oh, now I don't know who you're damn. I don't know who you're taking. Well, either way, my pick is Chad Hansen. I, I just, I, six targets for a guy coming out of nowhere off the practice squad and um, getting ahead of a guy who's been in the Texans organization for a while with Steven Mitchell, I think bodes well for him. You know, I don't know that I trust this to be a high upside spot. We talked about earlier with Watson, where if the weapons keep getting worse, it's going to be tough for him. But if cooks somehow, you know, maybe the concussion syndromes pop back up, maybe there's something weird there. Maybe they just pull him. There's some ways here. Hanson can continue to have value. And I think at this point, Pete, if I'd rather take a chance on guys that I don't know and just hope they're better than they are. And I think Chad Hudson kind of fits that criteria for this final run. Yeah. I mean, if Brandon cooks misses time, I mean, he clearly stepped in and, you know, historically one of my mistakes in fantasy has been dismissing performances from guys whose names I just learned. And you end up getting burned on guys like Travis Fulgham, where these guys come in and they produce and they earn more like coaches are, you know, we're all sus, uh, um, fall prey to recency bias. So do coaches, they see a guy crush out there. They're going to give him more opportunities. So, yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, in standard ESPN leagues, it's probably going to be hard to find room for him in your bench. But if you are in deeper leagues, I think he would definitely make sense as an ad. I am going to pick a rookie here, but it's not a rookie wide receiver. It's a, it's a rookie tight end. Oh, whole commit. 
So last week against Green Bay was the first game all season where he played more snaps and ran more routes than Jimmy Graham. So we saw a little changing of the guard there. And then he really kind of delivered on that. So he had three targets last week. This week jumped all the way up to seven targets, which in this tight end economy, uh, that's a smash. Uh, So five receptions, 37 yards and the touchdown, uh, which is also important because Jimmy Graham had been getting a ton of the, um, the red zone work as well. So if Cole Komet is now getting these targets in the red zone and is seeing this, um, this larger workload, I think that's pretty interesting uh, at the tight end position. But you know what? You can't spell lock T-E without Cole Komet. <laughs> yeah. I was just staring at his name, trying to think of something that entire time you were talking. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and it worked what, out splendidly, that, I would say. Get, wow. <laughs> Go ahead. You got one more pick. Um, okay. Um, geez, geez. This is so gross. You know what? I'll do another guy here. Over the past two weeks, four, I'll do another guy. Of course I will. Over the <laughs> nice. last two weeks, 14 targets for Colin Johnson on the Jags. He also has that kind of Fulgham feel to me of this big bodied wide receiver who's coming in and producing with his opportunities. He had the touchdown last week. This week didn't score, but made a couple good plays after the catch. So I will say uh, Colin Johnson here. I mean, we kind of have a revolving door at wide receiver and at quarterback in Jacksonville, but I think he's worth a step. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, uh, no disrespect to, of course, the great Visco, who uh, I think, you know, has got the touchdown today, got that first touchdown of the year. Pete, that's got to feel good on a, a ricocheted pass off of a defender's back, but it still counts, still counts. No, no, that's that's not a ricochet. That's manifest destiny. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. But I do think that the move long term here would be to get rid of Keelan Cole and, and probably Chris Conley, too. And then you go Colin Johnson, Chark outside and and the Visca in the slot, I think would be the better move. And uh, but yeah, I agree. Colin Johnson's kind of nasty. I, I I took him too, like in the beginning of the year, I think. And uh, nice to see him pay off, even though if you had held him when we did that waiver wire draft that I picked Colin Johnson and they got a spite just towards Visca uh, that probably probably wasn't a good guy to hold on to this long. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is extremely tilting to be obsessed with rookie wide receivers. And two of the guys I have the most of is Jalen Rager and LaVisca Chanel. I mean, it was shooting fish in a barrel this year and I somehow missed the barrel. <laughs> that's, that's tough. But you know what? You stick by your men. I feel like much, uh, was that, is that a Dolly Parton? I don't even know who did the stand by your man song. You know that one, right? Oh yeah. I mean, and unless someone wants to send me a Justin Jefferson mini signed helmet, in which case, We'll quickly move on. JK, JK, I love Visca. And honestly, Visca's going to be sick once they finally get a quarterback. I agree. I think that that team is uh, one that bodes well for future years of fantasy production. And I'm going to close out the waiver wire snake draft with a guy who you would think I think would be over 40%. Actually, I was kind of surprised Pete didn't take him, uh, though I think you might have taken him in a couple waiver wire snake drafts before. But Cam Akers uh, finally getting the 20 touches, getting the target as well this week. It does seem like the workload's starting to shift his way. We still do have Darrell Henderson in there in the mix. Malcolm Brown also had a nice long play today. Both those guys actually had a long play, so Henderson scored on his. Like, these guys are going to take enough off Cam Akers that I wouldn't feel great about it, but at this point, if you can get a guy under 40% rostered in ESPN and he's going to get even a chance to get 20 touches and it does seem like they're behooved to get him more in the mix down the stretch here, like Cam Akers is that dude. I don't know anybody else a running back who even comes close to at least giving you some sort of uh, kind of certifiable workload. Yeah, no, I, uh, the way I look for plays is I go into my ESPN league and I do our sorting, but I only look at free agents. So guys that are rostered in my league, I don't see and Cam Akers is rostered, but if he is available in your league, he definitely needs to be added. Uh, for this stretch run. Uh, yeah, that's that's trick, Pete, is you put them all available and then you... No, I know, but I like to give people, you know, what it's really like to be in leagues, not Chris Spaggs' aspirational, like, why don't you pick up Dalvin Cook, guys? <laughs> That's, honestly, if you can pick up Dalvin Cook, I think it's a great move. <laughs> take him take him number one in your waiver wire set draft. That's what I'd say. All right, we got the rider die picks now, so it's the home stretch. Hit that like button here, and we'll be back Thursday night for uh, for Thursday night football. Uh, of course, no shows after the COVID night football and all that, but uh, we will be back. We have a Thursday game this week, right? We didn't get screwed somehow on that. I believe, yes, we do have Thursday night. This all week. right, so yeah, I don't. who knows what it is, actually. We'll find that out right now, but it's time for the rider die picks. We talked about it earlier uh, this week. Based on Hey God, hey God, I have to, I have to interrupt you. Tim Patrick just had his second touchdown of the game. I believe. Uh, yeah. You had him as his winning captain lineup in the ride or die pick spags. You might've victory lapped your victory too soon. 
That's well. That's why we have the rest of the Monday slate. But yeah, right now he is the winning captain. So you are correct there. Oh man, I played uh, Tim. Uh, I played enough of him. I feel you know too much Clyde Edward Hilaire as we talked about, who I don't think has seen a single snap. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking can't believe that shit. Uh, the Thursday night game this week looks like it'll be uh, the Patriots Rams. Ooh, that's that's a that's a real crap fest potentially. Yeah, well, I hear uh, the Patriots really like to take away a team's best option. Uh, so uh, <laughs> tough sledding for uh, your boy Cam Akers coming up. Here. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's not Jared Goff. They would rather let him do anything he wants. But the games that we do have tomorrow, two games, a, a fun little two game slate that starts pretty early in the day. Um, I think is it's five p.m. East Coast yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, 5 p.m. East Coast time, 2 p.m. West Coast time is when that one will lock with Washington, Pittsburgh. One of the games that got moved, Washington getting 18.5 implied points, Pittsburgh getting 25.5 implied points, seven point favorite at home, 44 point over under. And Pete, I'll let you go first and worth pointing out in this game as well. uh, No James Conner, who is uh, still suffering from the COVID effects that hopefully aren't that bad for him, given his, uh, his other health issues. So we're going to do winning uh, like two game lineup or you can do regular picks or I guess, a you know, I would say a showdown one more for Buffalo, San Francisco, because I don't think any of us will be paying attention to the showdown for Washington, Pittsburgh. What do you mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Um, I will do. Trying to debate if I want to do a real take about Washington or uh, a showdown take for Okay. All right. I will do. I'll do Cole Beasley, showdown winning captain. Wait. So you're skipping. You're skipping the Washington Pittsburgh game and going straight to Buffalo. San I Francisco. thought. We, I thought we were doing one pick for. No, one from each game. Still same. Oh, thing. one for each game. Okay. Yeah. All no. Right. I know. It's our your first week doing ride or die picks. So I guess. <laughs> no, we normally do showdown winning captain, and then you told me I couldn't do showdown winning captain. No, I said you can. You could just do the showdown only for the Buffalo game. See, this is, this is. I, I get it. Yeah, that's fair. I might have been ambiguous, and you know, communication is important in our podcast matrimony, so I'll take the hit on that one, Pete. Good, take the L. I'm gonna serve <laughs> it up on a platter for you to take here. Thank you. Um, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> I will say, uh, Chase Claypool over 20 DraftKings points in the mm. first game. All right. Well, honestly, the best success I had this week, I think, was going against your guys, so I will take Deontay Johnson over 20 fantasy points. Good have him in his like four yards per target uh, you know what he's a, a great player and i'm putting it in here so willis doesn't have to do it later all right three points for both willis, those go, willis what? will clean up your lies like your kiki swaps that willis shout out willis thank you for keeping this guy in line trying to go in there and cook the books literally this is why we had to get an accountant for spags is bullshit thank you willis see that's that's not fair because literally in week 11 uh your guy jonathan taylor was sick he had a little little cough and he covid of course a joke that we all make fun of <laughs> but no he he didn't get in you know what i said pete have jordan wilkins the most the closest comp here to jonathan taylor well he, here this is how this works Spags. now i can't even get into you trying to equate kiki kuti to coulter like it's I'm not doing it. It was just, it was, the point was really the the process, the thought process there, which is like, whoever isn't Brandon Cooks and is running outside is going to have a good day. And I think I was proven very correct about that because literally everybody who wasn't Brandon Cooks had a good day. Yeah, it should have been Chad Hansen. It should have been. Honestly, if I knew Chad Hansen was going to be out there, or Scott <laughs> Hansen, really, Chris Hansen, anybody, it would have, <laughs> would have been right on it. Uh, next game up, Bills Niners. The Bills getting 23 implied points at San Francisco. I guess uh, technically at Arizona, uh, their new home of San Francisco. Uh, they have 24 implied points in their new home. 47 point over under. Not the highest total here. It's come down a, a point since it opened uh, about a week ago. Uh, Pete, I'll let you go first again here because uh, that's how classy I am. And also, I just have no idea what I want. No, I already did mine. Cole Beasley. <laughs> okay, that's that's you. I don't know. Maybe you wanted to, to walk that one back. No, why would I walk back such a smash play? <laughs> that's okay. Cole Beasley, showdown captain. I'm sure I'll still play that showdown angrily whenever something goes poorly into Washington. Uh, Steelers game before that. And um, for me, man, the Buffalo D somehow the worst out of all these groups. That's surprising. Um. I'll take Raheem Mostert over 20 fantasy points. All right. All right. Yeah, I won't. I won't go the showdown captain there because I don't I don't really have a feel about a showdown captain. Uh, All right. Last game here. Our covid night football game been rescheduled here. Should be playing. Expectation is that Lamar Jackson will be back for this one as long along with a lot of the other Ravens guys besides Mark Andrews, who's I think still going to be out. But Dallas getting 18.5 implied points at Baltimore. 26.5 implied points. A lot of respect for this reeling Ravens team an eight point favorite at home. 45 point over under Uh, Pete. If you have a showdown captain. 
captain, a bet, whatever you want in this one. Take it now. Let's see here. What did you say the spread was? It is a eight point spread favoring Baltimore at home. Um, all right, let's uh let's bet against Baltimore. Let's take Dallas with the points. Ooh, okay. Dallas plus eight. And um hmm. I will take you think Marquise Brown is gonna go back to being worthless again? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, is McSorley starting? No, I guess not. That's that's the one key to unlocking Marquise Brown. I'll, I'll say that Lamar Jackson takes some pointers from, from Trace McSorley and learns how to properly feed Marquise Brown, and that Marquise Brown is your showdown winning captain for that Tuesday showdown game. There you go. All right, so there we go. Let me put this in real fast. Uh, Pete, any plugs you want to hit on here? If you want to do the the uh, one last sell here, because this is your skill set, selling that that little wedding guest book that we have on our Apple podcast page. Yeah, earlier I pulled it up and I don't think I saw any new ones. I know sometimes iTunes takes a day or two for it to populate on there, but it's um it's been tough actually. My mom, uh, she asked, she wanted to kind of know what I'd been up to, what people have thought about my podcast, and I directed her to the iTunes page and she said, There hasn't been a review here since November twenty-seventh. I've already seen these. And she was sad, and it's kind of how she lives vicariously through me and the stuff I'm doing. So if you don't want to let my mom down, I'm sure Chris Spaggs' mom is looking at this as well. This is like our wedding registry book. And if you um, you don't want to upset our moms, please sign our guest book. That's true. My mom is not getting a real life wedding <laughs> currently. So uh, she'll take a podcast one. She's been giving my girlfriend's, my girlfriend's birthday is tomorrow and then Christmas too. And she's just sending gifts willy nilly, even though she has yet to meet my girlfriend in person because it's a, a pandemic. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. How long have you guys been dating? Uh, well, uh, on and off in some <laughs> form for <laughs> two years. And then, uh, yeah, but, but mostly okay, so really, it hasn't been a pandemic for two years. <laughs> really, really focusing in now. Wow, my the dog, dog even the dog is like, hey, buddy, you're moving the <laughs> goalpost there. She won't stand for any slander of the girlfriend. She is she has chosen her side and she supports the ladies, it would seem. But that's our sign here to call it quits for this week. Thank you guys for watching. We'll be back Thursday. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, like, do all the things we need to do. And Pete, any plugs at all before we call it quits? I'll be on my YouTube channel tomorrow reviewing my Derek Carr and Waller lineup that somehow didn't make any good amount of money. So uh, if you want to tune in to see how that possibly happened, I will be there at 10 a.m. Eastern and if, if you're in downtown LA, you might hear me screaming at the TV as the Chiefs find a way to blow my one my one lineup that's looking okay right now. So uh, that's my plug here. But of course, uh, check out my Twitter, Chris Spags. Follow up Peter Overset. Follow at Splash Play Pod. We'll be back Thursday night. So thank you guys for watching and uh, good luck with all the unexpected games you'll have over the next few days. Bye, guys.